Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Each week I turn to scripture for wisdom and guidance that we can all benefit from. This week I want to talk about a subject that's particularly important to me, work. It's important to me because my current ministry is as a chaplain for a construction company. I witness every day men and women working hard for the benefit of their country and to build the structures, hotels, restaurants, factories, schools, and sports stadiums, which we all rely on, but most often take for granted. How hard they work and what they produce amazes me. This sermon is dedicated to them. Let me start with a question. Is work a curse? I know that sometimes it feels that way, I remember many mornings when I had to drag myself out of bed because of something I dreaded coming up at work that day. I felt that dread on the mornings working at a gas station in the middle of Iowa winters when I knew that I would spend my days shivering out in the wind starting stalled cars, my hands soaked with frigid gas and my feet frozen numb. The days when I dragged myself around vermin-infested crawl spaces eating dirt and banging my head on floor joists when I was working as a termite inspector caused me to wonder sometimes what I'd done to earn God's wrath. I'm sure you can relate a few cursed moments from your own work life. The Bible states clearly that work is a curse and the reason for that curse. In the book of Genesis, God tells Adam that work is the curse that he will receive for disobeying him and eating of the forbidden tree in the Garden of Eden. God says, Because you have eaten of the tree, about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Did you ever stop to consider on those bad days at work that you were suffering for the sins of Adam and Eve? Hardly seems fair. It's enough to make you resentful that you have to head out for work every morning. The writer of the wisdom book of Ecclesiastes is also not too high on work. Listen to what this writer of practical wisdom says. I hated all my toil in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me. And who knows whether they will be wise or foolish? Yet they will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. So I turned and gave my heart up to despair concerning all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes one who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave it all to be enjoyed by another one who did not toil for it. What do mortals get for all the toil and strain with which they toil under the sun? For all their days are full of pain and their work is a vexation. Even at night their minds do not rest. Sound familiar? Sounds like he had a really bad day. You work hard all your life You die, and then you leave it to somebody else who doesn't deserve it to enjoy. That's the sentiment you often see on the bumper stickers of 
luxurious RVs rolling down the highway that say, I'm spending my children's inheritance. Yes, work can certainly feel like a curse. But it doesn't have to. It shouldn't be. In all honesty, I love my job working at Bob's Standard Station all through high school and college, even though it was physically demanding in the winter. I took the job voluntarily, and that job paid my way through college. Even crawling under houses looking for termites held some appeal. Even though I had a college degree that was good, honest, dirty labor, I sometimes feel like I qualified to be on Mike Rowe's TV show, Dirty Jobs. But I can look back with pride at working hard jobs that helped me along my life's journey. But if we feel day in and day out that we are being punished by work, something's wrong. The Bible gives us plenty of examples of hard-working people, not the least of whom was Jesus. Now, we don't know for sure what Jesus did for a living before he took to the road as a prophet. But tradition has long held that Jesus was carpenter, as was his father Joseph. In the archaeological ruins of Jesus' hometown of Nazareth, the remains of a carpenter shop have been unearthed. Although we can't know if it bears any connection to Joseph or his famous son, Jesus, it certainly fires my imagination. Even more interesting to me, archaeologists have excavated the ruins of Sepphoris, a major city of Nazareth, near Nazareth, which was under construction during the life of Jesus. Knowing about that construction project, and the fact that the word used in the Bible for carpenter could be better translated as construction worker, might give us a different view of Jesus' family trade. Picture Joseph and his son working side by side, installing heavy timbers on a commercial job site. It's certainly feasible. Since we know that Jesus did not begin his ministry journey until he was nearly 30, he may have had a long career in construction. That's not to say that his second career was not hard work. He took to the road preaching, teaching, and healing. He had to scrape out a living while he was on the road. As Jesus reminds a would-be follower, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Not all labor is physical, and many different kinds of jobs require sacrifice, hard work. Not only did Jesus have his own work history, he recruited his followers from hard-working folks. Most notably, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, who were fishermen, a physically demanding but reputable occupation in Jesus' time. Jesus also refers to farmers and all kinds of agricultural workers in his teaching stories. He respected people who put in a hard day's work for a day's pay. He was working for them. Another famous worker in the Bible was the Apostle Paul. While he traveled around the Mediterranean establishing churches, Paul kept working at his trade as a tent maker. He talks about how hard he worked in a letter he wrote to the people in Thessalonica. You remember our labor and toil, brothers and sisters. We work night and day so that we might not burden any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of John, God. Tanning hides and making tents was thought of as a particularly dirty job. 
he gets downright harsh about people pulling their own weight. He says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this command. Anyone who is unwilling to work should not eat. I guess I should throw God into the mix of hard workers of the Bible. We know that he put in a solid six days of work creating the universe before he took a well-deserved day off. Even God needed a day off after the cosmic task of creation. We can also assume that he's still employed running that operation that he created, managing us rebellious human cre creatures, not being the least of his ongoing duties. A creator's work is never done. He just moved from labor to management. Despite God's curse on Adam for a sin of disobedience, the Bible portrays work as necessary and respectable. Let me turn it around. Not only is work not a curse, work is a blessing. Our work provides our, our lives with purpose and meaning, as well as food and shelter and a nice car. Whether or not work is a curse is a matter of perspective. Not everything that is difficult is bad. Work can be sacrificial, in other words, but that's different from being a curse. A sacrifice is something that we do that benefits someone else over ourselves, and we do it willingly. Sacrifice is not for suckers, as some people might tell you, because sacrifice is motivated by love. For Christians, two sacrifices stand out. The first is God's sacrificial gift of his Son. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. And second, Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins. Sacrifice is an honorable motivation. Much of our work involves sacrifice. Many of us are devoting our time and our labor to support our families and the people we love. We do it without grudge. While we may grumble about paying ta income taxes, they represent a sacrifice that we're making for the good of people in our country, most of whom we don't even know. And when we go above and beyond the call of duty on our jobs, we're making a sacrifice to benefit our country and our employer. These are acts of love, self-giving love. Not only can we love our work, we can love through our work. Sometimes that occurs to me as someone who has a wide variety of work experience, many of them not glamorous, is that all jo honest jobs are deserving of respect. I believe that. My dad worked as a school janitor in the same elementary school for over 40 years. Now I use the word janitor instead of custodian intentionally. Dad would have considered calling himself a custodian too pretentious. In those 40 years, Dad established himself as one of the most trusted and value mem valued members of the school staff. He maintained the mechanicals, kept the place spotless, provided teachers what they needed to operate their classrooms. And most of all, he earned the love and respect of generations of students for whom he served as a role model. Mr. Melvin, as they called him, turned a simple job into an invaluable vocation and a lifelong career of which he was rightfully proud. I don't think he ever thought that he worked a day in his life. The Apostle Paul talks about people 
who all have unique and valuable roles and spiritual roles in their church and community. But he could just as well be talking about how we all apply our unique gifts in our jobs. He wrote, Indeed, the body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot would say, because I'm a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And for my part, I certainly can't say, I have no need of you. You can and should be proud of the work you do. Like my dad, you may work at a job that doesn't possess a lot of prestige in the eyes of some people. And like him, you may devote your life to that job bringing it dignity through your commitment and hard work. Or you may see your current employment as a step to something that you consider more meaningful or fulfilling. Honor your own path and honor the paths that others chose in their works. We all belong to the same body, that is humankind. We all play an important part. You may have seen the inspirational poster that reads, Work smarter, not harder. Now, I understand the wisdom of the saying. On the other hand, there's nothing wrong with working hard. Our country was founded on hard work, and we can still pride ourselves on hard work. Your hard work may be physical or mental, but if you work hard, you go home tired at the end of the day either way. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with getting our hands dirty. One of the most important things we can do to help us see our work as a blessing rather than a curse is to think about and act upon a higher purpose for our work. We have work to work to fulfill our basic needs and there's nothing wrong with striving for professional and economic success. We should not, however, neglect the spiritual aspects of our work life. All of our jobs are important to others and to ourselves. Jesus states it best when he says, Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. It might be a good idea to start each day by asking yourself, What am I working for today? If your only answer is a paycheck, it might be a good day to sit back down, sit yourself down and have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with yourself. What is my higher calling that I'm working toward? Most of my friends are retired or retiring. I've been noticing cons some consistent trends among them. Before the balloons of their retirement parties have started to deflate, they start wondering about how they're going to fill their days. They look for bridge groups or golf leagues to join. My teacher friends take on substitute teaching jobs. Some look for community or church organizations who need their skills. For some, not all, retirement becomes the curse. 
no matter how important our work is, it should not own us. We should be able to embrace us and work at it and through it to the end. I think the word that I would use to sum up what I've been talking about is balance. Honorable, meaningful, and productive work is a part of a fulfilling and happy life. Through our work, we support our families and contribute to society. And we build up treasures in heaven. In our service to others, we are also serving God. But the time we spend with our families and relationships out of work is also important. And so I'll close with the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. On the seventh day, God took a day off. And God enshrined that day off in his list of universal laws. No matter how important our work, and no matter how much we love it, we need regular breaks from it. Work hard. Be proud of what you do. But don't forget to take a day off. Don't forget to take your vacation. And may God bless you, not curse you, in whatever work you do. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God bless you in your working and in your resting. And may you receive just rewards for your labor. And may God grant you rest.